house, but not right next door. And they said, Are we, uh, was the band singing Bayete and playing Bayete during their practice? And they living, yeah, they, they're about half a care away. And they said that they could hear our worship from there. Our worship is going out over this area and declaring the lordship and kingship of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good morning, uh, everyone. And I'm just remembering that I'm meant to be moving a little bit more this way because we are saying good morning to all our online members and visitors that are part part of our service as well this morning. And it's just a real privilege to welcome you. I am Pastor Jenny, and uh, together with my husband Jacques, we are the senior pastors of His People Church, a church that is passionate about Him and passionate about people, passionate about you and those that are, are not yet part of this church and people who are in our community that don't yet know Jesus. Amen. And and so I want to just say welcome to all of you. And if you are here for the first time, a special welcome to you. Can we just see if you're here with us for the first time? I think that you have filled in, uh, uh, indicated that on your your um, slips outside. But we just want to give you a warm welcome. Welcome. It is just such a privilege to to have you here with us. And uh, and for for all of us, I just want to remind you uh, that our bathrooms are for the ladies are here at the back, and for the gents are down below. And we put a sign just in this time of COVID because our bathrooms are not large. Can we please try and restrict to two people, no more than two people in our bathrooms uh, at a time? because otherwise we will be closer than the distance we should be um, together. So, And then also, if you have a baby, a little one, um, our mom's room, we have, uh, we, it's not, we not generally function, but we have set it up this week for those. If you have babies and you're bringing them, Tabby's got her, her beautiful little one there, um, if you're needing to feed or change or etc., then you can go into the mom's room at the back as well. And we've been making this announcement about joining a serving team for a little while. And I want to, uh, I want to just, sorry, our, our, our slides here and there are in different places, obviously. Thanks, Lundy. So, um, we have been making this announcement about joining a serving team. And I want to ask if we can just, first of all, just give a round of applause to our serving teams today. Thank you so much, Londi, Ayanda, and Sponello, um, the, the media team, the praise and worship team. Wow, guys. Yo, you just did so well. And, and I want to invite you, if you are wanting to grow in who you are as a person. Join a serving team because as you give, you receive so much more, but you also, the training is so helpful for you, not just 
at church, but in life generally. And I want to encourage you. You see the worship team here. Don't you think they are, they are so strong? They, they sang so well. They sang so strongly. But I want to tell you, I know each of these people and how nervous they were and how I can't do this. I don't have much to give when they first were considering joining. Is that not right? Okay? And quite often still they're like, oh, I'm, I'm still. And look at what God has done in and through them. And I want to encourage you, please step in. It's by faith that you step, you, you give the yes. And then God gives the strength and the enabling. And like with our worship team, we, we're, we're releasing quite a few people in this year. They're, going, they, they're continuing their studies in Durban or they're going back home or whatever. And so um, going back home as into another African country where they come from and God is um, opening doors for them to be serving there, etc. And so that is making more room, inverted commas, for others to come in. And so I wanted to say, come, don't see, oh, they've got it all covered, they don't need me. That is not true. That is not true. There is room and we do need you. We need, we need ministers. And we haven't had many people um, signing up. And I want to say, don't just come to receive. Come to give at church within our um, – and, and also just want to celebrate. We had a video recording and editing training yesterday um, carried out by Jono and Guthle. Were they were together training and inputting several others, and and that is amazing. And adults, let's not be outserved by our younger generation. Amen. Um, and there's exciting spaces to be learning, and they're having online training even right now. Um, and so, so come get involved. We want. We we need you. And you need to do this for yourself as well. And so um, I want to move on and just flag for you on the 29th of November, we are going to be hosting our Thanksgiving service. And what that is, is that quite often, uh, you generally we've had a night of thanks um, where we've had a celebration, we've had a meal, we've really honored people who have, who have served and given, um, given of themselves in the year. And, and we've just felt that this year we are needing to give thanks and honor most of all and glory to King Jesus. Amen. For how he has served us, how he's taken us through in this year. And, and we just felt like we're wanting to give, uh, have a thanksgiving service and what we're looking at it, so it's going to be during church time, but we are calling, if we want to share testimonies in that service, we're wanting to share stories of how God has been good to you. We're wanting to give you opportunity to share. How has God been Have you got a story that where it's shown how there's been breakthrough for you or he's provided financially, or how he's built your faith in this time of COVID, or um, there's been healing, or 
a story that gives thanks and glory and honor to God. And so we want to invite you to come and to speak to Flumelo, uh, our administrator, or to Amu, our campus missionary, um, or you could speak to me if you have a story and you would like to share. And it'll just be, it's, uh, you can share for two minutes or seven minutes, um, and it's just telling the story. It's not, you don't have to uh, make up a preach and work out all the, you know, the five points and the et cetera. It's not. It's just how you would tell your mom when you phone her, Mom, do you know what happened today? And sharing that. And so we don't want you to be intimidated by that, but come, come and share. And then I'm wanting to highlight also our communication platforms that, uh, that we are using as his people. And um, the, the, the highlight specifically our WhatsApp and our church number. And now Amu did this last week and she said, please take out your phones, okay? And I want you to take out your phones right now and I want you to look in your contacts list, okay? Please can you do this right now? Look in your contacts list. Do you have this number on your phone? 061-452-0877. Do you have it on your phone? Because we as a church are sending out broadcasts. We send out messages. And you have, may have said to us, I want to be on your broadcast. I want to receive your messages. But we've had a number of people saying, where am I meant to be signing up or registering? Where is this? Where is that? In other words, they're not getting our messages. But they think, they think that we are not sending them. It's not that we're not sending them. You have to have the number saved on your phone. And some people have changed numbers or they've changed their phone and then the number has not carried through. So that's why I'm saying you can think, ah, oh, I've got the number, but you actually haven't, and then you're not receiving our messages. So please make sure that that number is saved on your phone. And then our SoundCloud and our YouTube, you can go to those, um, those places to listen to our, our messages, uh, to watch the videos, the back videos, and I have found especially, there are people that I speak to, and I remember a message, and now because it's going up on YouTube or SoundCloud, I'm able to say, you know what, let me forward you the link to this message on, for example, dealing with loss and grief. And I can forward the link to the YouTube or the SoundCloud message, and I can give a gift of something that God has given us here at church that we can share with other people. And so I want to encourage you, become familiar with these platforms so that you can bless others. And then uh, lastly, I just want to highlight our health and safety regulations. And I'm not going to read through all of them because we have done so. I want to just remind you, thank you to all of you who are registering online um, with our Eventbrite link think that we're becoming familiar with doing that and how to do that. 
If you don't know how to do that, please speak to um, Sumelo and she can just show you. And then also, if you are family and you live together, you reside at home together, you are not practicing social distancing at home. And so it's okay for you to sit together. And so like we've got Khabi and Mdu and Simon and Tabi sitting together. And by doing that, it actually means then we can get more people into our building. We can have more spaces, um, more chairs put out. And so, so if that's the case, you're welcome to sit together and then you can just indicate and another chair can be brought in. So, um, so thank you for how you are uh, participating and partnering with us in this health and safety. And lastly, I just want to share um, our, for, for our faith notes, this, uh, tithes and offerings this morning, um, reading from, just wanting to share the privilege of being able to give. And in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 2, uh, uh, two and, and onwards, Paul the Apostle was speaking to the Corinthians and encouraging them and, and, and saying to them, thank you for your heart and willingness to be able to give. And, and I just want to read it and then, and, and then pray. It says, he says here, actually there's no need to write to you about this contribution for the holy believers in Jerusalem. So they were giving finances to support the church, to be, part of, uh, to be part of enabling the church in Jerusalem and the people that were in Jerusalem and were actually battling at that time. And he says, for I already know that you are on board and eager to help. I keep boasting to the churches of Macedonia about your passion to give, telling them that the believers of Corinth have been preparing to give for a year. Your enthusiasm is contagious. It has stirred many of them to do likewise. Verse 3, still, I thought it would be best to send these brothers to receive the offering that you've prepared so that our boasting about how you were ready to give would not be found hollow. And I want to just uh, just remind you that the reason, one of the reasons why we share tithes and offerings message at church is to remind you and to help you to be prepared to be giving to the Lord. Because He is, it's, He is, it's part of what He has asked us to do. And as we give, we enable the church of God to be able to function, to be able to operate, to be able to minister out. And, and I believe that, that many of us, we are enthusiastic about our giving. And it is contagious. It means that as we give, it enables or it stirs up other people to be able to give as well. And, and just before I pray, I want to just share a picture that Nolene had and brought during worship. She said she saw a, a harvest field of wheat 
but it didn't have the kernels of wheat in their heads yet. It was just a field. And the king, she saw a mighty warrior started walking through that field. And as he walked, the wheat stalks bowed down to him. And then as after he had passed, the wheat stalks came up again and they were full of kernels of wheat. And and she was just like, as we bow our heads to the king of kings, he fills our seed pockets, as it were, with seed so that we have seed. And I want to encourage you that I believe that that's in all areas of our lives. But with our finances, as we bow them to the Lordship of Jesus, as we come back up, as we've done that, He will fill our seed, our seed spaces, as it were, with kernels because we have bowed and submitted to the King of Kings, to Jesus Christ. And so I want to pray that over our finances today. Father God, we thank you that as we bow our finances to you, as we bow our lives and our substance to you, King Jesus, and as we are willing and and have hearts that are prepared and ready to give, so you fill and provide for us the seeds and the kernels to be able to give, to bless and to sow and to be obedient to you in our tithing and our giving. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to, uh, just as it is here on the screen, sorry, Londi, if you can just put that back up, that if you have your tithes and offerings in, in actual physical finance, that the slot in the door there, that you can put it straight into there, or otherwise to do your to give your giving to our um, to our our account and the details are right there and I would encourage you do it right now if you have not tithed or given your offering you can do your EFT on your phone do it right now even as um, as we are uh, we're going into the message now Amen. And amen. So let me welcome up uh, Pastor Jacques. Perhaps if you want to, just stand, stretch. Okay, normally we have uh, our tithes and offerings time, and it's a bit of a chance just to shake and get ready. But if you want to, just stand, stretch if you like, just uh, and get ready to receive a good, encouraging word. All right, can you hear me? Good morning, folks. It's so good to be with you this morning. And uh, I, I nearly, I, I wish we were not in the season where you can't touch anybody. I remember the days when we used to say, you get up to bring the word, and you would say, give a, your neighbor a high five, or won't you just massage the neck of, your, of the person in front of you, or something like that. I feel like, I, but, but we're being recorded Okay, so so we will we will um, 
I'm not telling anybody to touch each other, by the way. Okay, the world of the internet. <laughs> so good to be with you this morning, folks, and thank you for coming. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful day. I said to somebody this morning when they greeted me, I think it was Ntokozo, on such a beautiful morning. She said, how are you doing? I said, it's such a beautiful morning. How can you not be well on such a beautiful morning? I mean, the grass is just so green. Look at our jacarandas. They're just so purple. I mean, it's just so vibrant, the colors. When I look outside, look at the trees and the gardens and the birds. I love, you know, these creatives, they use the word, it's, it pops for me, okay? Let me say, I look out my window, it's popping for me. It's like, wow, it's so beautiful. Uh, I remember some, uh, just hearing people talking about um, just having experiences in heaven. And, and that's one of the things that I remember somebody saying, they said, the grass was so green, you know, the trees, the leaves was just, everything was popping. So anyway, you know, I've said, you know, to get ready to air for heaven, you've got to, you've got to come to Maritzburg, you know, live in a city where the trees have flowers and the grass is greener than you've ever seen and then you're ready. Okay. Okay, let's go. So I am, we can put the, the, the slides up there. Thanks, Londi, for my message. So I am speaking this morning about your shape. Okay, don't, don't look around right now because I'm talking about the internal, okay? The internal, don't get self-conscious now. I am, I'm wanting to talk about how God made you on the inside. And that word shape, I've put it there, it is an acronym and I've put a little two in there and you're wondering what that is. Don't worry, join us on the ride, okay? If you plan to leave early, well, you may not find out what this is, okay? But it's about discovering your strengths, passions, and giftings for His glory. For His glory. Folks, the way God has shaped you is so unique. And it's important that we embrace this. It's so important that we embrace this. And I want to go to the next slide and Psalm 139. And in Psalm 139, verse 13 to 14, it says... For you, speaking about God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now this is a psalm of David. And David is, is praising God. And we know this dude knew how to play the guitar or tambourine, whatever he played that. He, know how, he knew how to worship God. And you read his Psalms, he was enamored by the beauty of creation. And, and he praised God for the mountains and the rivers and I mean all kinds of things he praised God for. But in this Psalm, folks, he does something very unique. He's worshiping God because he says, for you created my inmost being. He's seeing his inmost being, the God stuff, the God part, your shape on the inside. He's seeing this and he's marveling. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know the sad thing? It is so tragic that there are people who cannot with conviction say, I am wonderfully made and praise God because they can see the beauty of the hand of the Creator inside of their being, inside of their soul. 
And this is my prayer. My prayer is that you will come on a journey of seeing why Jesus Christ has taken a hold of you. Paul, and the scriptures just gripped me for so many years in Philippians. He says, Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, I take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has apprehended me or taken a hold of me. Folks, I'm glad you look good on the outside. And coming to church, you all look good. You're putting on your Sunday best, looking good on the outside. But there's a beauty of who Christ has made you on the inside. He's grabbed a hold of you. He's apprehended you, some translation says. Yeah, David says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Folks, the tragedy is because of life experience and the lies of the enemy, some people cannot say that. Tragically, some of us here, you can't praise God because of the conviction that you are personally, fearfully and wonderfully made. Folks, I'm totally aware that yes, you take this to extremes, And we become proud, arrogant, full of ourselves, people that nobody wants to be around. I'm not saying we go there. But hey, you know the pendulum, for most people, is way on the other side. Where they cannot praise God because they can see the hand of the Creator in their giftings, in their passions, in their strengths, in 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 the, the way God has shaped their personality, even how God has used their experiences to shape them who they are. They can't see it. And folks, this is Bible here. This is Bible. I praise you, he says, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full, full well. Can you say to the Lord, Lord, I see your hand in my heart, in my life. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He's saying with conviction I can see. Yes, we're not going to go into pride and arrogance. But folks, being walking around with an unworthy worm, thinking of yourself less than your father does, does not bring him glory either. Thinking of yourself more than your father does is not good either. But I absolutely believe there's a healthy middle ground where you're not full of yourself, but you do not think of yourself less. You do not believe the enemy's lies about all your mess-ups and all your wada wada, all the negative stuff. There's, there's always a ditch on either side of the road of biblical truth. We're not going to arrogance, but we're not going to unworthiness either. Amen? I'm absolutely aware that as I'm standing before you, I have feet of clay. And as I've said, so do you. But I'm not going to be so consumed with my feet of clay that I cannot see God. There's a uniqueness inside of me that pleases you And that's why I'm still living and breathing on this planet today because the world needs how you have made me, how you have shaped me. And so come with me on the journey. I'm inviting you on a journey of discovering your God-created shape. Your God-created shape. And I'm going to leave the scripture up there and I just want to mention this. I've been on the most amazing journey during this lockdown of discovering things about me that I never knew. Now listen, I've done lots of gift tests and personality tests and, and you know, strength tests over the years. I've done, I've got done a fair whack of them. And yes, some of them, some of them just don't do it for me. I don't know, some of you done some of those testing things. Some of them don't gel, but some of them really join the dots and have been so helpful for me. 
But this is, it's not just about you. I can't tell you how helpful it's been in my marriage with Miss Amazing. Because sometimes me and Miss Amazing don't get on. And it's not because of lack of communication or unwillingness to communicate or anything malicious on my amazing wife's part or my part. It's just we are so different. And sometimes when you discover more of your shape and you can communicate that to people that you love, people that you work with, your co-laborers in Christ, many of us serve on, serve on very different team, various teams, different teams. It is so helpful when people understand, ah, this is how Amu is wired. This is how God has made her to be. This is how she responds. This is what motivates her. These are her passions. This is her life experience. It's an aha moment. And it's not, it's not about what she said or didn't say, etc. It's like, I get you, Amu. I understand how, how God has shaped you to be. I mean, she's in the hot seat and Zinzi's laughing at her. And Zinzi doesn't want to sit in that chair again. <laughs> so, so the, 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 it's wonderful that you personally see it, and it's valuable that you look at your inmost being through Jesus' eyes and you get to appreciate how He's uniquely shaped you. Because one of the most devastating things on this planet is comparison. We grow up in a culture of comparison, especially the old school environment. From grade one, you're getting marked. And what mark did you? Huh? She got ten. Oh, I got five. Therefore, I'm unworthy. Uh, there's something wrong with me. You know, there's something broken inside. My head's not screwed on correctly. All this rubbish we believe about ourselves because I'm getting five and she's getting ten and there must be something wrong with me. No, she's just amazingly wired for numbers and will probably be a fantastic chartered accountant one day. Amen. But you have the most amazing voice, amen? And you're going to risk, sing songs that generations from now are going to sing those songs, amen? And yeah, the poor girlie who's getting 10 for maths, I mean, she's lamenting that she can't sing and she wishes she could sing like you can and you wish you could do something like she could and you're beating each other up instead of celebrating. God, give me a beautiful voice. I hear melodies. I feel melodies. I just walk down the road. I look at a beautiful tree and a melody comes into my head, you know? And the other girl is like, I wish I could. Stop comparing yourself. It's devastating. And so I've been on this amazing journey of discovering things about myself. And it has been amazing benefit. It has been in our marriage. I was speaking to Pastor Carol Gosman also in this year. I can't remember when. And she was sharing with me about how as a leader, a pastor of a local church, how important it is that for her, that she do these time, types of gift tests and strengths tests, etc., with people on a team to understand them, but not for her, so the team members can understand one another. And, and I was speaking to Musa, I asked Musa, because you know Musa is with Pastor Carol, and Musa said, yeah, last year she, they did this test, XYZ test, this year they're doing the ABC test. And I'm like, what? And I've, I've personally been convicted about the fact that we as a local church, I feel we need to do more of this because we have so many teams around and absolutely we're different, but we need to value and appreciate one another's differences. And then it also came home to me where somebody I know applied for a job, a new job, at Take-A-Lot. 
Now, the significant thing about Take-A-Lot is it's a big multinational company. So they came to South Africa a few years ago, and they're doing phenomenally well, you know, buying online. They're, they're, like, a, they're like a central hub for buying stuff online. So even if you buy through them, there are other companies that are supplying. But, but their business model is doing phenomenally well across the world. Now, that's just the practicals of online shopping. They've really cracked, in my mind, online shopping. They do it really well. But they haven't just come into the country with a business model of how to do online shopping. Their approach, for example, to hiring staff is just top draw stuff. So I was speaking to this person who went for interviews with them. This person went for five interviews. I was absolutely staggered at how many interviews they went. And this is world-class standards of how they do it. And then he told me, he said the first three interviews were with me personally and, and, and assessing my personal competence for the job. He actually had to do an online competency test for his job where he actually had to do some stuff. And I thought, that's brilliant. That was the third, third interview. The fourth interview this, was this. He had to do a personality assessment. I said, a personality assessment? I mean, this guy, he's doing computers. I said, you're not working with computers. Why is they want to know your personality? No, because no man is an island and no woman is an island. You always work with people. And they know the importance of understanding the differences that, that how God's made us differently. And so his fourth assessment for this job was a personality assessment. And I, I was just like, wow. Folks, there are sometimes we can be convicted by how people in the world who are on top of the game are doing things. And I was like, this aspect of valuing and appreciating people's uniquenesses and in teams for, for, for doing these kind of things to be able to appreciate one of, the, one of those uniquenesses. I was like, we as Christians, as Ma- the, those who are convicted, we made an image of God, we should be on the front foot, we should be leading the charge in terms of these kind of things. And so, I want to just encourage you, come with me on this journey. So, let's go to the next slide, and I'm putting a book cover there for you. And uh, I trust many of you have read this book, because if you read at the bottom there, it says, 30 million copies sold word worldwide. This is the book by Pastor Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. Over 30 million copies sold, folks, worldwide. And if you can read at the top there, you may not, you probably, Publishers Weekly says, that the, says this, the best-selling non-fiction hardback book in history. In history, folks. So this book came out about 20 years ago. Um, it's, it really is amazing. I recommend you get it. Easy to get online, but I'm sure there's still paper copies around. But Pastor Rick Warren, he's a pastor in California, Saddleback Church. And what I love about this, church, this book is how many scriptures are in this book. It is such a Bible-based book. And I just love the fact that the world's number one in all-time history best-selling book is the Bible. And the number two book is this book that is based on the Bible. I'm like, I think we've got a good thing going here. You want to build your life on a bestseller? I recommend it. Okay. Now, what? why am I highlighting this book? Because this, this, this acronym, SHAPE, was actually highlighted by Pastor Rick Warren in this book, The Purpose Driven Life. 
And when I was considering, after chatting to Pastor Carol and Musa, etc., I actually remembered Pastor Willem in Potch, who heads up our Every Nation Church there. I remember him sharing with me, and, and also then I, I remembered from this book, this whole concept of shape. And, and I want to unpack it. And so, just you go to the next slide. The Purpose Driven Life, which is the book, unpacks the shared purposes of life while your shape, there's the, the um, acronym, focuses on helping you discover and fulfill God's specific purpose for your life. So there's a shared purpose and a specific purpose. That which unlocks your strengths, passions, and giftings for His glory. And I just want to highlight this. There are shared purposes that we, as children of the King of Kings, there's a shared purpose that we have. And I believe that is a greater... How how do I put it? There's a greater significance in our shared purpose than your specific or individual purpose. And it's my conviction that in the kingdom of God, it's not possible for you to fulfill your specific purpose outside of the bigger purpose, what God is doing in planet Earth, that ultimately all peoples from all nations will serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to hook into the shared purpose that God has for His kingdom through His church and throughout the nations for us to embrace His specific purpose. And I just want you to see this context because, yes, we can't focus on everything all the time, but we also can't get out of kilter and we just on our little Lone Ranger horse here, my specific purpose, my calling, you know, my ministry, my wah, 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 without remembering it's in the context of our shared purpose, in the context of teams that we are part of. And I want you to discover your specific purpose in the context of a shared purpose, a greater purpose that God has to see heaven come down to earth, His kingdom to invade every aspect of society. We can't embrace, you cannot fulfill your specific purpose without fully embracing the shared purpose that God has had throughout the ages. Amen. And just to remember, there's a shared purpose, a specific purpose. And, and the greater glory, I believe, is in our shared purpose. Because, folks, when we come together, we can accomplish more, we, we become better than we are individually. And I'm just always reminded of, of, you know, that little word, sin, S-I-N. And the big problem with that word is the letter I right in the middle. The letter I. If only we could get that I out of there, that word would have no power. It falls apart. It means nothing, okay? And so if we become too obsessed with our specific purpose and forget the greater goal that God has for the nations of the earth, then it becomes out of whack. It becomes, I mean, it just becomes prideful and arrogant and nobody wants it. And the sad thing is some people, actually, when you talk about gifts and strengths and passions and your individual stuff, they want to run away from it because they've had a bad experience of people just becoming proud and arrogant or the other extreme of boxing people. I remember a few years ago I wanted to do some strengths, gifting tests. I can't remember what it was. And literally, one of our leaders was so against it, and the objection was that exact point, that she had been so boxed by some sort of test, I don't know what it was, that she didn't want anything to do with it. But that's, again, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I know. I did one, one so-called personality test. I did three times, and this test, you know, some of them have four, four characteristics, five. I, I literally was looking. 
some tests identify four, some five, some seven, some nine, some ten, some twelve, some sixteen, and some thirty-two. Okay, so there are various ways of just identifying different aspects of how God has made us on the inside. And the one test out of nine, I did it three times, and every time it told me I'm something different. So I totally get you when you say, sometimes these things confuse me. But I'm telling you, overall, most of the time, I'm looking to see, God, how have you uniquely made me? We all have blind spots, folks. And sometimes these tests and these, these assessments can really help us to see stuff that we just can't see normally. Okay, so let's go on. Next slide. I've just put, so the Purpose Driven Life book basically has these five main purposes that Pastor Rick Warren highlights. And it's just, I'll put them all on the screen. So number one, we are planned for God's pleasure. And that's about worship, living for His glory and His honor. And we all tick that off. Absolutely, we live for His glory and honor. Number two, formed for, godly, for God's family, the church, that we all belong together. It's not just you are a lone ranger on your horse all by yourself, okay? That, that God puts us together to fulfill His purposes and that there's a family for us. Three, created to become like Christ. Uh, that's the whole process of discipleship, of transformation, of growing, of becoming everything God has called you to be. That, that process of growing and transformation is just so fundamental. Embracing the process of change is so fundamental. And fourthly, shaped for serving God. That is your ministry. And there's the word shape, okay? And then firstly, made for a mission, the great commission, that the nations would come to worship our King. I want to highlight, and I've just highlighted point four there, shaped. And again, context here, that your individual shape, it's not the be-all and the end-all, but it's a vital aspect of the big picture. I'm putting these all through these five points. That is the big picture, okay? Don't lose sight of it. It's not everything, but it's an important aspect for you to form part of our shared purpose. You need to understand your specific purpose. Okay, let's move on. Discovering, and this is what Rick Warren said in his book, discovering your specific purpose or your shape in life opens up the wonderful opportunity to use what God has given you to serve others in your generation, to fulfill your ultimate purpose and live a significant life. Service is the pathway to real significance. It's through ministry that we discover the meaning of our lives. remember hearing a, a psychologist being interviewed, and he was asked this question. He said, and the psychologist had worked with terminally ill patients. You know, people who have, get told, you've got three months to live, six months to live, nine months to live, whatever. And he was asked this. He said, what's your number one advice to somebody who has just heard the news that they're terminally ill? They have a limited time. By the way, just remember, we're all terminally ill. One day we're all, you know, <laughs> graduating to heaven. So, But these are people, due to a medical condition, are given a, a specific time. And he said this, my advice is always, find someone who's in a worse or tougher situation than you are and find a way to serve them. Find a way to serve them. Folks, and in serving others, we serve our King. That's just how it works. In serving others, we serve our King. Service is the pathway to real significance. 
through ministry that we discover the meaning of our lives. You know, I want to submit to you, there isn't a job on the planet that at his core is not an act of service to other people on the planet. Whether you are providing goods or services, every job, if you boil it down, you're providing a service to other people. And your remuneration, think about this, is often in proportion to the value that people place on the service that you provide, whether it's physical goods or services. That's what it is. You're at Varsity students, yes, to get an education, but it is an education that will give you skills and empower you to serve others who will in turn, in turn want to remunerate you with a salary for the service that you give them. That's how the world works, okay? I know some people, I remember one person saying, oh, no, 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 you know, I don't want to work for money. I, I just, well, I don't know what they wanted to do, but it was like, and I was just like, so you, what you want to do, you don't want anybody to value what you're doing, and you, you don't care that nobody's willing to remunerate you for the goods or services or gifts or talents or abilities that you have. You don't want any. Anyway, let me just say, <laughs> the person did battle to kind of put food on the table because ultimately, that is how it works. Let's go on. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, Message Bible says, Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. Isn't it beautiful? You know, as I said earlier, you know, some people are really good with numbers and absolutely become a chartered accountant. People place great value on that service. But others of you, you are really good with children. You connect with children. Children just light up. They gravitate to you. People will be willing to remunerate you for that service. But I want to say ultimately, it is for our king and his kingdom. Amen. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone, there's not a person here that doesn't have unique abilities from God that shows who God is. Your skills, your abilities, discovering your shape reveals to others. He's in a glimpse of our Father. Why? Because you were created in His image. And so were you created in His image. And so were you created in His image. And that's why we're a body. And together, we give a better picture to the world of what our Father's like than we ever could individually. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? Let's go on. Victor E. Frankel said this, Everyone has his own specific vocational mission in life. Everyone must carry out a concrete assignment that demands fulfillment. Therein he cannot be replaced, nor can his life be repeated. Thus, everyone's task is unique, as is his specific opportunity to implement it. Actually, Pastor Roger posted this on social media last night just as I was preparing and I saw it and I was like, oh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Victor Frank, Frankl, he was a medical doctor and he was imprisoned uh, uh, during not, well, uh, he qualified as medical doctor, I think 1935. You know, Second World War, Hitler started his craziness in 1939 and he em- ended up as a holo- Holocaust victim. He was in 
the concentration camps. Um, and, and, I mean, wrote an incredible story. His incredible story. He, he saw how, how the importance of purpose. I remember hearing the story, these stories of him, how he would notice when people lost a sense of purpose, how their physical condition in those concentration camps just went down. And he would compare, and as a medical doctor, he compared how people who hang on to a thread of hope made it through those incredible conditions. And so again, is purpose important? Folks, sometimes it literally can save your life. Amen? Okay, let's go on. So finally, what is your shape? Here we go. Put it up there. Firstly, S of shape stands for your spiritual gifts. H in shape stands for your heart, your passions, your desires. A stands for your abilities, like good with maths or good with kids. P stands for your personality. And I put P squared because Pastor Rick Warren didn't have prophetic identity in there. And I've been spending a good few days trying to figure out where am I going to get prophetic identity in there, amen? Because we're a prophetic people and we, we believe God speaks to us about our prophetic identity. So I decided that it's not shape, it's shape with a P squared, okay? I thought of putting two P's in there and then I thought, well, okay, let's put a square in there for two P's. The second P is for prophetic identity, okay? And then experiences, your unique experiences, folks, God works good in all circumstances. And sometimes you discover your purpose just by recognizing the stuff you've gone through qualifies you for the things that He want, wants you to use, to use you in. So there they are, the five P's. I just want to unlight uh, the five aspects, or actually six, as I've said. So spiritual gifts on the next slide. Just to unpack it. Spiritual gifts, a set of special abilities that God has given you to share His love and serve others. These are very often the supernatural gifts. Signs, wonders, and miracles happen because you are flowing in a spiritual gift. And in the last few years, God has been just igniting so many people. There have been so many supernatural schools all across the world where people are being ignited, and there's been impartation, release, and teaching on spiritual gifts. And we've been seeing an explosion of signs, wonders, and miracles as people step in to, into this reality and are flowing in their spiritual gifts. So it's a delight. The body of Christ, and this is something that comes to you when you are born again. When you are born again, God imports, imparts spiritual gifts to you, but very often it needs people through the laying on of hands to unlock them so that you can flow in your spiritual gifts. And the Bible lists a whole lot of them. I'm wanting to next week. We're going to unpack this and look at our spiritual gifts a little bit more. And then a heart, the special passions. God has given you so that you can glorify Him on earth. You know, some people, I mean, I, I, I just remember the story of uh, Pastor Rick Warren's wife in 2002, I think it was, where she, um, she said she was a happy soccer mom, you know. She was responsible for taking the kids to school and a pastor's wife, and she was quite happy, you know, in California. And she watched a TV program about the HIV AIDS pandemic in Africa. And she saw these pictures of these orphan kids in an in incredible, you know, emaciated condition. 
And God just gripped her heart with compassion for these children. And she never realized the stats of how many orphan kids they were. And again, her heart. How to, and she has now pioneered this incredible ministry, ministering to orphans uh, due to the HIV AIDS pandemic. And again, how did God do it? She was gripped. Those pictures just wouldn't leave her. The Holy Spirit was reminding her. And so her passion is ministering to HIV and AIDS orphans in Africa. Beautiful, beautiful thing came out of her shape. Abilities, the set of talents that God gave you when you were born, which he also wants you to use to make an impact for him. Ability to connect with kids, ability to do maths, ability to sing, there's lots of them. Personality, the special way God wired you to navigate life and fulfill your unique kingdom purpose. Personality is so wow, especially in teams, and we really want to look at that. Then prophetic identity, remember that squared, what God has to say about you, prophetically so important. And then finally experiences, those parts of your past, both positive and painful, which God intends to use in great ways. I remember just hearing a story also of a guy who was an alcoholic, and years were wasted of his life, family smashed up, you know, just total disaster because of, you know, alcoholism, came to the Lord And God just convicted him that he can and should and needs to help those with similar addictions. And and that was his... So God used his experience to unlock an amazing ministry helping people with addictions. So there we go. That's your shape. Now you know what it is. But the question is, what is your unique shape? And folks, I'm under no illusions that in one message I can unpack your shape. This message is an invitation to come on a journey with God to discover your unique shape. Folks, and this is not, I want to submit to you. I mean, you know, I'm in my 50s, okay? And I'm getting confident in saying it as well. I'm in my lower 50s, so I'm still still getting into it, okay? Lower, very lower 50s. Just want to point that out, okay? I'm still on a journey of discovering my shape. And I know the journey's not finished. And why do we say that? Ephesians 2 verse 10. Next slide. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things He planned for us long ago. Folks, there are things that I know God's going to want me to do in my later 50s my 60s, in my 70s, I'm believing even for my 80s. And folks, the things that he's got for me, that he's prepared beforehand, planned for me to do, I know I still need to grow into those things. I'm committed to growing and becoming everything that Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Every, the, the reason he apprehended, I'm committed to growing, to become the person God wants me to be in my 60s and 70s and 80s. God forbid that I stop growing, that I stop learning, that I stop allowing Him to shape me and mold me to be the person He wants me to be for the people He wants me to minister to in my 70s and 80s. I don't know who they are. They may not even have been born before. But God is preparing me to meet them in 20, 30 years' time and minister life and His His words and His, His just... His, his shape to them. Amen. 
How about you? Are you okay to come on a journey? It's not a self-centered, egocentric, uh, prideful, look how amazing I am. I'm so hot. I'm so gifted. No, 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 no. It's because there are people not yet born that God is shaping you to impact their lives. Amen. The word masterpiece, I've underlined it there. Some Many translations use the word, word workmanship, which in the, in the Greek is the word poema, from which we get the word poem. And folks, it literally is a work of art. And a work of art, any sculpture or painter, if you study their history and their life, it's not like this morning I quickly whipped up, you know, a beautiful piece of art. It takes time. And God is at work with us and through us. Let's go to the next slide. Pastor Rick Warren said, Wise stewardship of your life begins by understanding your shape. You are unique, wonderfully complex, a composite of many different factors. What God made you to be determines what He intends for you to do. You see the connection between workmanship and the works that He prepared beforehand for you to do. Your ministry is determined by your makeup. If you don't understand your shape, you end up doing things that God never intended or designed for you to do. Next slide. When your gifts don't meet the role you play in life, you feel like a square peg in a round hole. And there I put a little picture up of a square peg in a round hole. You know, I remember there was a season in my life where that was the place I was and that was the prayer that I was praying. I was like, God, I feel like such a square peg in a round hole. And literally, I, I can remember a season in my life where if there was a metaphor for my life, it was that is how I felt. Folks, that does not mean that because you're going through trials and tough times, that necessarily you're a square peg in a round hole. It is where, it is where the place you are is not how, you just don't fit, your shape doesn't fit there. It's very different to going through a fiery trial and this, and, and, and it requires wisdom to discern the difference. This is frustrating both for you and for others. Not only does it produce limited results, it also it is also an enormous waste of your talents, time, and energy. What was interesting was I was Googling a picture of a square peg in a round hole, and quite a few of the pictures I saw, there was a peg, square peg, and a hammer, and, and, and somebody had tried to whack this peg in, and the peg's all damaged, and the hole's all damaged, and the hole's cracked, and everything. It's like, what a mess, okay? And I just thought, what a beautiful metaphor. And that is why discovering your shape is so important. Next slide, Pastor Rick said, instead of trying to reshape yourself to be like someone else, you should celebrate the shape God has given you. Next slide, our best contribution in life, our utmost for His highest, can only be made as we allow God to finish His work in progress, and perfect our uniqueness. To live without discovering our uniqueness is not to really love. Is to not really love. Can I read that again? To live without discovering your uniqueness is to not really love. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. 
the day of Christ, folks. That is when either we meet Him in glory when He returns, or when we lay down this earth suit, this body, the day we die. That for us is the day of Christ, because then we meet Him in glory. This Bible says, this verse says, He who began a good work in you, you're sitting here, you've surrendered your life to Christ, you know God has begun a good work in you. We'll perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Folks, the day of Christ is when we are transformed into His glory. That is the day perfection comes. I'm in no illusions that we are going to encounter perfection this side of eternity. Folks, unfortunately, we're going to walk around with feet of clay. And that's important. It brings humility. I've just found that being aware of your feet of clay causes a much greater dependence in your life on the one who has feet of burnished bronze, Revelation says. It causes us to be dependent on him. Never lose sight of the reality that you have feet of clay. But never be obsessed with your feet of clay either. Don't forget the unique shape that you have. God will continue working on you and me until the day of Christ. I totally embrace that. I totally embrace that with all my heart. Are you willing to embrace it and say, Lord, until the day of Christ, I push on to perfection until that day. And this scripture, this is from Isaiah, and and, and you'll understand the picture when you read the scripture. And yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Isaiah 64, verse 8. It's a picture of a potter shaping lump of clay into a beautiful jar. And I trust you've all seen the process. They have a wheel that spins and you get a lump of clay that's nicely wet and soft and he'll chuck it in the middle there. He or she will chuck that lump of clay in the middle and then as the wheel spins with their hands, they shape this thing and it spins. I don't know if you've ever seen I've seen it on TV. I don't think I've ever seen it live. It's amazing to see how that lump of clay gets transformed into this beautiful pot and they put their fingers in and they shape it. And it's just like, you know, it's one of those, it's nearly like, I don't know, like a Marvel movie, you know, like something just miraculously shaping in front of you. It's quite incredible. This happened in Bible days. And what I love about just this picture is how, for me, how tangible and real it is for understanding how God works in our lives. And the same metaphor is actually used in Jeremiah. On the next slide, I've got it for you. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. And he said, go down to the shop where clay pots and jars are made. I will speak to you while you are there. I want to ask, how many of you are open to that kind of leading from the Lord? Where the Lord may say to you, I don't know, Go up to that hill over there. And when you get there, I'll show you something. And you're walking there and you see the tiniest little flower next to a tree. And when you're there, that just speaks to you. What a miracle. 
And God got you to go up to the hill just to show you that, to speak something to you. What happens here? So I did, as he told me. And I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started again. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And the the important thing, and what the Lord spoke to me about, is folks, we looked at a few weeks ago, we looked at during lockdown, one of my messages was about God being a redeemer. And a redemption is literally where God turns a smash up into something beautiful. When he restarts. When he redoes. Folks, I am so glad my Jesus is a redemption. I am so glad that I am a lump of clay in his hands. I am so glad that sometimes the Lord says, whoops, okay, it's not turning quite out the way I'd hoped, okay? And it's never his fault, okay? I know it's always, we're using the clay analogy, it's my feet of clay. Why? I'm wobbling and I'm not turning properly on this, uh, you know, on the turnstile. I'm like, Lord, okay, start all over, start all over. I'm not saying, the Lord doesn't, it's not saying here that he throws the lump, that lump of clay away. That, he reworks the very same lump of clay. The same you, the same shape, your same giftings, your same heart, your same passions, your same experience. He reworks it and he can shape it into something different than what you thought. Are you okay that your life turns out different to what you thought? I promise you, if I had to ask, interview, had to interview with, with saints who've been walking with the Lord, let me say for more than 30 years, I'd be surprised, I'd be very surprised how many of them said, my life turned out exactly the way I thought it was. When God spoke to me when I was 20, God said X, Y, Z, and look, here it is. I'd be very surprised. God works us and He reworks us and it's beautiful. What the Lord spoke to me about in this scripture was, but you know it's impossible to rework a clay jar that has been hardened. What happens if you try and re-squash a hard clay jar? It crushes and breaks into a thousand pieces. The key thing is to stay wet. And I don't know if you've seen those videos of people, I'm sure YouTube's going to get a lot of hits this afternoon of clay work and pottery and I'm telling you. The key, have you seen them? When they're working with a pot, they have a, a container of water next to them and they're constantly wetting their hands. And by wetting their hands, they're constantly keeping the clay wet and keeping it moist so they can work with it. Because while it works, the clay is drying out and then it can't, you can't work with it. What does water represent in Scripture? It's the Holy Spirit. Folks, we, constantly, we need to stay constantly wet, wetened, moistened by the Holy Spirit so the Father can constantly reshape us and mold us. Folks, because in my experience, each decade, in my experience, is often so different from the previous decade. And we need to be reshaped and remolded to face the challenge of the new decade. I remember somebody said, we did also, we looked at the Beatitudes a while ago, 
And you know the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, blessed, blessed. And he said this, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> I think it's biblical. Jesus, it's not one of the official Beatitudes. But what, the, what that, this story here, remain a soft lump of clay. I mean, the reality is, folks, what's happened in lockdown, everybody says, the new normal, we're in the new normal. There are some people who cannot handle the new normal, and they are going to really struggle in whatever the new normal looks like. But if we are stay soft in the hands of our Father, it's okay to be reshaped into the shape He needs us to be for this new normal. This week, I want to finish with this just a little story. I was waiting for somebody here at church, and they were, they, they were, I had to wait about a half an hour. And so I just decided to just spend some time with the Lord. So I put some music on, and I was just soaking. I was soaking in front here. You know, this is the space. Cass usually soaks here. Apparently, it's a really good soaking spot. So I thought, let me try it out. So I was just lying here, just in the presence of the Lord, with the music playing, and just, just being. I wasn't, I wasn't praying. Just being. Just... Just, just surrendering, and I think that's just the key. Just surrendering to the Lord. Just allowing Him to come close. And then the person, uh, half an hour was up, and I needed to speak to the person and sort out what I needed to sort out. And I was going to go home. It was late afternoon, the sun was setting. And I just felt, I just felt a nudge of the whole Lord saying, no, come to me some more. And I just came back here, put the music on, and I was just lying here. Probably another half an hour. And I just felt, I felt, I felt it was time to go. I didn't pray major prayers. I didn't read major scriptures. The Lord did give me a scripture. But I was driving home and I literally felt as if I was lighter. I felt like weights had been lifted off my shoulder. As I've often said about when we've had times of soaking, it seems like nothing has changed, but everything has changed. I drove home just so much lighter. Just spent an hour in the presence of the Lord, just waiting on Him. And as I was thinking about this scripture in Jeremiah, about the Lord and the clay, I was just, are you okay just to allow the Father to mold and shape you in any way He wants to. And not come to Him and say, God, Father, okay, I want to be this shape. Shape me like this. Are you okay for the Father to not just shape you how He wants you to be, but allow you to get a glimpse of the shape that He's shaping you into that He wants to be. So my invitation is, will you come on the journey? O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? Folks, that's the word of Scripture. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit speaking those words to you. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you. In my hand. The question is, are you like that clay in the Father's hand?
Are you trying to jump off the turnstile, the turntable? Let's just pray. Lord, I want to just pray these words of Scripture. Lord, you asked the question. You're asking, you're asking each one of us this morning. You're asking, oh Zinzi, you're asking, oh Einstein, you're asking, oh Wonke, can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? Lord, firstly, we recognize that we are not our own. Lord, we are your clay, Lord. Lord, we are your people. We are your clay. And Lord, we say unequivocally, you can do as you want to, to your clay. Lord, if you want to reshape us, even if we thought we were going to be another shape, Lord, we say that's okay, Lord. That's okay. Lord, you see 10, 20, 30 years from now, you see the children not born that are going to require the spiritual mothers and fathers that you're shaping us into. So, Lord, we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are we in your hand. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are we in your hand, Lord. In Jesus' name. Actually, I want to close and I just want to ask the sound team, and I'm jumping this on you. Is it possible for you to just play a song, a gentle song of worship, not a wild declaration song right now? Just a gentle song of worship. Sound team, are, are, you, are you getting there? I'm not seeing any movement on the sound desk there. Guys, just keep your eyes closed. The sound, any of the sound teams moving around now. If you need to go, God bless you. You are welcome to. I believe...